0: Have you ever received an upgrade? Or have you ever received a free upgrade? Like, uh, you know, for maybe your cable package or a hotel room or especially an airline flight. You know, I've done a fair amount of travel and I have received a free upgrade to business class exactly twice in my life. And one of them was really, really cool because I was in Asia and it was a really long flight to Western Europe, like 10-hour flight. And I went up to the counter and I said, there's two people, there are four of us on our team. There are two of us that that are kind of tall people, not me, um, tall people. Could it be possible for them to just get a little more leg room? And they're tapping away and the line is long and people are like, why are these Americans taking so long? And finally, the guy looks up and he says, I'm happy to report to you that all four of you have received a free upload. Uh, complimentary upgrade to business class. And we're like, woohoo! We did a happy dance in this place. It was amazing. And then we got it. It's the first time I've ever been in business class, and only one since then. And I'm in there and the seats recline. There's a massage feature in the seats. I mean, it was crazy. We were like kids in a candy store. We were so giddy about this. And I'm sure everyone else in business class thought, well, who are these people? But anyway, we got there. We took this long plane trip, 10 hours or something. We got there, and then as I read it, we have a pass into the um, the access into the lounge. And so we could take a shower at this airport after this long flight. And we just thought, we are in heaven. And, and we got this all for free, and I sat there and I thought this, I didn't pay for this, but I was given this upgrade. And you know what? God is in the business of giving us what we don't deserve. It's called His grace and mercy. And He calls on us to trust in Him, and He will give us these upgrades. Now, this passage, we're walking our way through the book of Proverbs. I hope you have your scripture journal uh, or your Bible handy, and uh, and we're working our way through Proverbs. And we come to Proverbs chapter 3, and we're going to look at verses 1 through 10. And in this passage, 1 through 10, there are listed all these upgrades, perks, and benefits there are in trusting God's wisdom, in following God's wisdom, in following Jesus Christ, All right, who is the ultimate wisdom of God. And let me just tell you the the, the perks that are listed, and then we'll find out how we get these Uh, by following Jesus. Okay, the first one is you'll have uh, live a life of many days, long life, a full life, and well-being. That sounds pretty good. Um, You will have favor and high regard with God and people. You'll have a good reputation with God and you'll have His favor in your life. Uh, He will make your path straight. He's going to enable you to uh, live your life in a straight course, in a uh, in a line that honors Him, and that also smooths out some of the rough edges. Um, he says, "There's healing for your body and strengthening for your bones." There, there's even uh, a promise of God working in healing ways in our body, our physical bodies, emotionally. In a lot of other ways and then he says finally your barns will be completely filled this is an agricultural context but it's saying god is going to provide for you abundantly he's going to give you even more than you just need and your vats will overflow with new wine agricultural context but it's the provision of god in, in even an abundant provision all of these are there for us how do you get these upgrades how do you get these perks how do you get these benefits we just walk through well, sometimes it's fairly straightforward in the passages we're going to look at, and sometimes uh, it's a little challenging for us. So when I want to talk you through these. I'm going to give you five overarching principles to take home with you today. In your own, as you as you take this, take it to heart. And and please, as we walk through these things, understand the difference between proverbs. And promises. It is called the book of Proverbs, not the book of promises, because these are general benefits of following God. This is not a health and wealth prosperity gospel teaching where, you know, if you just trust God, you'll be filthy rich and you'll never be sick. It's nothing like that. It's just saying, if you follow God, then oftentimes you will experience these blessings of God in your life. And they are general principles of God's wisdom that we will commonly experience the way that life ordinarily goes when we follow God's counsel. Now, in the Bible, on on the other hand, uh, there are wisdom books. One of them uh, is Proverbs. That's the main one. There are also a couple of others, Job and Ecclesiastes. And these are books, wisdom books, uh, about the exceptions to the general principles which are held in Proverbs, all right? Um, Job is about suffering when you don't know why you're suffering. It's co to an unknown cause. And... Uh, And then Ecclesiastes is about unexpected complications of living in the real world. And those are great books. And they're about the exceptions to the general principles of Proverbs. But we come to these book of Proverbs about general principles of life and wisdom. uh, And some people focus on the normal everyday wisdom and are blind to the exceptions. And others fixate only on the exceptions. And they miss out on the day-to-day normal wisdom benefits that Book of Proverbs gives to us as we follow God's wisdom. So we are focusing on the everyday wisdom of God, uh, the benefits of that, and what normally is true when we follow God's teachings and stay faithful to Jesus, the benefits. Okay, here we go. Um, Verse one, my son, don't forget my teaching, but let your heart keep my commands, for they will bring you many days a full life and well-being. This past week, Valley Church's oldest member Dorothy Call celebrated her 102nd birthday. This woman of God is 102 years old and she is a living example of these verses. She she knows the Lord. She's been here at Valley for like 25, almost 30 years. It's, she's an amazing woman of God and she lives this out. She does follow Jesus and she has experienced a full and rich life of children, grandchildren, and great-grandchildren, and she's an amazing woman of God. So it's not always going to be true that you have a long and lasting life, but you're going to avoid some of the pitfalls that some people do that cause their life to be shortened. Here's That's the idea. So if you're going to experience that, you're going to have to live out a biblical worldview. He says... Uh, Don't forget my teaching. Let your heart keep my commands. So know it. Know the word of God. Know the wisdom of God. Don't forget it. Have it in your mind. And also keep it. Do it. Follow it. Follow its teachings. The heart is where he says, at the center of your heart, keep this. How you view the world is important. Uh, What is of value to you? What is right? What is wrong? Pay attention. Truth is, we're paying attention to something. And God is trying to get us and say, listen to my counsel, because it's going to bless your life. That doesn't mean that you're never, no one is ever going to um, have an untimely death. Certainly not. And there are very, many tragic stories to that. But it is saying that, uh, that by following God's word, you're going, to, you're going to experience and you're going to not experience some of the dangers that a very reckless lifestyle or a very rebellious lifestyle is going to cut short your days and cause you not to live in well-being, emotionally, spiritually, financially, and all these things, okay? So what world is gonna rule your heart? Um, You're taking stuff in. It's gonna be the good stuff or the bad stuff. Uh, And it's not just blatant immorality, but moral slippage. You take a truth here, you kind of compromise on that. Here's another truth, you compromise on that. So he says, don't forget my word. Most believers in Jesus don't, outright reject this word. They just forget it sometimes. Keep it in your heart. Follow it in your life. And the incentive is a long and fruitful life. The word is really wholeness. It's shalom. And the word shalom is having everything you really need, experiencing his goodness daily, free from hostility and neediness and filled with inner contentment, delight, joy, and pleasure as a gift from God. Someone has said, it is the webbing together of God, humans, and all creation in justice, fulfillment, and delight. That's the first thing. Got to get a biblical worldview that's going to bless your life and bring more well-being to your life if you take in God's word and adjust your heart to his word. All right? Keep going. Verse three. Never let loyalty, the word is a a loyal love or a faithful love to God and faithfulness, that's a commitment to his truth. Never let loyalty and faithfulness leave you. Tie them around your neck. Write them on the tablet of your heart. Just keep them close to you. And he says, and if you do, then you will find favor and high regard with God and people. Do you want to experience God's favor? You want to experience a good reputation, not, not only with God, but with others as well, then here's what you number, need to do. Principle number two, focus on developing godly character. We, we read about Jesus, how he grew up and he grew in stature and wisdom in favor with God and people. That's what we're talking about. Now, we know there's, that Jesus also experienced rejection and persecution and ultimately crucifixion. But Uh, he uh, was vindicated by God through his resurrection. So it doesn't mean you're never gonna experience hardship or opposition, but it means if you live with a godly character, loyalty and faithfulness really important to you, that loyal love to God and to others and that faithfulness to the truth of God, those are important to you and you develop that character, you're gonna experience the favor of God and high regard with God and with others in your life. Instead of lacking character, being inconsistent, shallow, really no different from anyone else around you. People and God are going to notice that you have cultivated a loyal love and faithfulness. The principles of the Word of God are taking root in your heart and God is all about love and, and loyalty and He's also about faithfulness. And we say these are things that are important to me and to you. So you can let a lot of things slide in your life but never let uh, loyalty and faithfulness leave you. That loyal love and faithfulness, they're so important. And the, the, uh, what happens then is that other people see what is happening in our lives and they will admire us, they will respect us, not because we're perfect, but because we're on the level, we have integrity, we have righteousness. And also people and God so appreciate a love, a love uh, for a true loyal love for God that stays close to him and follows him. And a true loyal love, to our friends, to our family, a loyal love and faithfulness, in our marriages, in our friendships, and even to be faithful and loving to our enemies. This uh, wins for us, and, and we experience the high regard and favor of God. You know, this, uh, this week, um, it was sad for me to have to bid farewell to a couple of Valley Church members, amazing people of God. One of them is Lorene Hendricks. Here she is with her husband, Gary. And another is John Hines. Here's John and Becky. These are amazing people. And when I think about this verse, I think both of Lorene and John Hines um, exhibited these characteristics and uh, they are held in high regard and people, they did find favor with God in so many ways and they blessed so many people uh, 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 with their lives. Here's the reality. One day you and I are gonna be, go to be with the Lord if we know Jesus. And when they have that celebration of life, like they did for Lorreen Hendricks and for John Hines this week, um, they're not gonna be talking about the cars you owned. They're not gonna be talking about the square footage of your home. What they're gonna be talking about is your loyal love and your faithfulness to Jesus. That's what matters in life. So if you wanna experience the goodness of God, the blessing of God in your life, cultivate character. People will notice and God will bring favor on your life. Keep going, verse five, trust in the Lord. Here's a very counterintuitive section of this passage we're looking at. Trust in the Lord with all your heart, and do not rely on your own understanding. In all your ways, know him, and he will make your paths straight. Here's the third principle. If you want to understand and upgrade your life, rely fully on Jesus over our own limited human wisdom. He says, trust in the Lord with all your heart. It is important who we put our trust in. Ultimately, the object of your faith, you're trusting someone or something. Where is your life trust? Ultimately, it's to be in Christ, in the Lord. It is important to trust in that name. Now, what you call someone in your relationship with them says a lot about your relationship to them. There are people in my life who call me dad because they're my kids. There are people in my life who who call me Quentin because we're friends. There are people who call me Reverend because they don't know me at all and they think that's my name or my title and it's not. But, you know, we all have these different names and nicknames and so forth. And, you know, w- w- what do you call God? For you, is he the man upstairs, the big guy in the sky? Or is he more than that? You trust in the Lord, the master, the sovereign. He, he's overall. He's everything to you. You know, we, we call on, on God in all these, his different names in the scriptures. He's a healer. He's a savior. He's a comforter. He's a fortress. He's, he's our rock. He's our strength. Um, he's our friend. We, there's all these different titles and names of God and of Jesus. But here, the one that is highlighted is Lord. And the simplest Christian confession, the simplest, shortest statement of the Christian faith is Jesus is Lord. My question for you today, is Jesus Lord of your life? Have you crossed that line of faith and put your trust and hope in Jesus Christ, who is the son of God, who lived a perfect life, who gave his life on the cross for our sins and he rose from the dead ascended into heaven and is coming again. Is he Lord? Do you call on him as Lord? Do you say Jesus is Lord? I hope so. I trust that if today you haven't made that step, that you will. But if you have made that step, he says, trust in the Lord with all your heart. So there's a beginning point, yes. But over the course of our time, we learn to give more and more of our life over to God. And he says, don't hold anything back. Give him all your heart. Trust him with your whole heart. No holding back. It's like jumping, uh, running for a child, jumping into daddy's arms and and saying, you can hold me through everything. You You will see me through this. It is trusting completely in God. He says, do that. And he says, and do not rely on your own understanding. This does not mean, um, it's not saying be engulfed with self doubt or uh, be consumed by a lack of self confidence. What it is saying is that when you look for guidance, ultimately we don't look to ourselves. When we look for truth, ultimately we don't look to ourselves. When we look for decisions, ultimately we don't pray to ourselves or trust in ourselves, we trust in Jesus. Now our culture disregards God entirely. And they say, you know what? Uh, go, go with your gut, live your truth, follow your heart. And if your heart is totally uh, uh, given over to Jesus, you know, there can be some re- realities to those things. But if you're not first turning to God in prayer and the word and wisdom and faith and obedience, then following your heart is a worst idea. Go with your gut. Your gut could be leading you way off the path. He says, don't rely. The word can mean lean. Don't lean in. Don't let it support you, your own understanding. Uh, let me show you a little clip of a tennis match uh, and check it out. Out. No, no, no. no. <sighs> He is absolutely sure that he knows what's right. That uh, ball was definitely out of bounds. Reality was the judge had a, the uh, umpire had a better view of it and it was in bounds. It was a good call, but he says, No, I don't trust in you. He rejects it, and a lot of times that's what we do. God says this, and we're like, ah, "I'm going to go in this direction instead." God says, "Be careful of this," and we we plow forward on our own. We rely on our own limited human wisdom instead of trusting what God says. It's more about this passage is saying, "Trust the Lord with all your heart. Don't rely on your own understanding." It's about not going your own way without even considering the Word of God, without praying over things. Our way is just common sense. I'm going to wing it. I'm on my own. The best I know how. I'm going to trust my own instincts. Mm, Be careful of that. Because sometimes, you know, Scripture says, apart from Christ, our hearts are desperately wicked. We can easily be self-deceived. And and he says, do not rely on your own wisdom, especially when it conflicts with God's counsel and his word and what the church has believed and taught for 2,000 years through the Scriptures. Don't trust, rely on your own understanding. Don't take from the culture and say, well, that seems to make sense to me when it conflicts with the word of God. James says this. Now, if any of you lacks wisdom, he should ask God who gives to all generously and ungrudgingly, and it will be given to him. So you need wisdom, ask God, and he will give it to you through his word, through prayer. But let him ask faith without doubting, for the doubter is like a surging sea driven and tossed by the wind. So we, God reveals to us something clearly in the scripture. I'm not talking about just a, a sense or a feeling about something, but it's clear guidance from God's word. You should not lie in this situation. You should forgive in this situation, whatever it might be. And then we decide, nah, you know, actually, I'm going to do my own thing. He says, that person should not expect to receive anything from the Lord, being double-minded and unstable in all his ways. So in other words, if we know what God's Word says, and we deliberately disregard it, and we say, well, actually, I'm not going to do that. I'm going to do this other thing. He says, you're never going to get anywhere. You're not going to receive the upgrade in your life because you're not trusting in what God says. You're going with your own understanding. So be careful of this. If you want to experience this, this life upgrade, you have to follow God's word and trust Jesus. He says, in all your ways, know him and he will make your path straight. In all your ways, all of us face a multitude of decisions. How am I going to decide what to do? How will I make good choices? My plans this week, the purchase I'm contemplating, a family problem I'm facing, my attitude toward my spouse, a decision regarding my future, the adjustment I'm going through, the guy at work, my emotions right now the neighbor across the street, what I do with my body, my children, that struggle at home, an uncertain relationship, my parents, that debt I owe, that grudge I'm holding, that work to be done, what I watch, what I buy, what I own, the situation at school, who I'm gonna help, the work decision I'm facing, when to say yes and when to say no, that nagging habit that I want to overcome, what am I gonna do this very day? All of those decisions are made, and he says... If you know him in all those ways, if you seek him all in your ways, he's gonna make your path straight. Doesn't mean you're never gonna have bumps in the road, doesn't mean they're gonna have twists and turns and difficulties and challenges and trials, but it does mean if you know him, not just about him, but you know him personally, you seek him in your life, he's gonna make your path straight. He's gonna give you direction to know which way you ought to go. And you're not gonna be perfect, but it's gonna be better than doing it, way better than doing it on your own. On all these paths I just mentioned, do I really know him or do I just know about him? God is saying, come to me. You got questions? I got answers. Know me on all these paths. Somebody said the real danger in our lives is not that we will scrap Christianity entirely, but that in a practical daily life, God will have little impact on our decisions and actions. In all your ways, know him. And then he makes the path straight. Then that's when you get that life upgrade. He says, that's when you're gonna see God show up and he's gonna remove obstacles. He's gonna straighten the path. He's gonna give you true lasting success as God defines success. How do we live out this verse? We read the word of God. We pray about things about everyday matters. We bring them to the Lord and we ultimately say, not my will, but yours be done. I trust you, Lord. Keep going. Verse seven, don't be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and turn away from evil. This will be healing for your body and strengthening for your bones. Fourth principle is to take God seriously and resist evil. He says, don't be wise in your own eyes. This is a practical daily thing. When I wake up in the morning, how do I view my day? Who is running my life? Am I just trusting in my own wisdom? Don't think that I have all the answers, he's saying. Be careful, what's your attitude? Do I just go with the flow of whatever I feel? Or am I willing to swim against the stream to fear the Lord and shun evil, to turn away from evil? Somebody said, for every complex problem, there is an answer that is clear, that is simple, and that is wrong. We need to be careful that we just not on autopilot but what that we truly say, I'm not going to be wise in my own eyes. I don't think I have all the answers. I really need to seek God in this. Fear the Lord. This is the central theme and model of the entire book of Proverbs. You remember what we've been saying about fear the Lord? What is fear the Lord? Fear the Lord is, here's the, uh, here's the uh, principle, is taking God seriously. And it means to resist evil. That's the fourth principle. Take God seriously and resist evil. So... Um, so fear, we've said before, is for every area, respect. So for every area of my life, I'm going to respect what God says. I'm going to look to him. He says, if we do this, truly care about what God says and take on God's perspective about truth, about his warnings, about guidance, and they matter to us, if, we, if God's care and his love and his justice and his forgiveness and his truth His righteousness, His goodness, His greatness matter to us on a regular basis. He says, this will be healing for your body and strengthening for your bones. Doesn't mean you're never gonna get sick. Doesn't mean you're not gonna have some serious illnesses. It does mean that there's a healing that comes from God that oftentimes we avoid things that will hurt us and He's gonna strengthen us in our bones. This is more than just a physical thing. There's an emotional strengthening. There's a reduction of anxiety. There's a peace and a joy that is is lives within us. And this starts by trusting and fearing the Lord first and foremost. Now we come to the last couple of verses and before we get there I want to show you a short video of a little guy that's not sure what to think of things. Here we go. <laughs> to embark uh, on, on a section where we're like this baby. His name's Emerson. He's, he's overjoyed as mommy blows her, his noise, but then he's absolutely petrified and scared. And Emerson can't quite decide if it's a terrifying moment or an incredible, joyful experience. And these next two verses are going to be that for you. You, can't, you won't be able to decide if you're terrified or if you're overjoyed. And here are the two verses. Verse nine. Honor the Lord with your possessions, with the first fruits of your entire harvest. Then your barns will be completely filled and your vats will overflow with new wine. Now, up to this point, we've said, trust the Lord with all your heart. Don't rely on your own understanding. Don't be wise in your own eyes. You know, trust him with everything. And you've been saying, yes, 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 all that. And we're, we're starting this journey of faith. We're fired up, we're ready to dive in. And God asks us to forgive somebody and we do it and bless and love our enemies and we do it. And God tells us to share our faith and we reluctantly, we're scared, but we have opportunities and we actually step forward. And God invites us to risk being rejected for our faith. And then it gets hard and suddenly it's not so easy. And we begin to ask this question, what if? So now in verse nine and 10, We come to the really the first test of faith in the entire book of Proverbs. Because this is highly practical. This is about your income. This is about your money. It's about honoring God first with what he has provided for you. Previous generations of believers in Jesus lived out this passage. They woke up in the morning and said, Lord, this day belongs to you. I don't trust my own instincts apart from you. I need you to guide my attitude and outlook. And you're saying, yep, so far so good. I'm with you, sounds great, beautiful. Sharp insights, that's cool. These are verses are for the refrigerator. Trust the Lord with all your heart. Don't rely on your own understanding. It's on the plaque. I've got it on my dashboard, it's amazing. These are the verses for the mirror. Go for it, pastor, I'm with you. That's amazing, preach it. Now we get to the practical section. Everything so far has been a little bit philosophical, theological, slightly subjective. Touchy-feely, maybe. Now we get to the real stuff. Here's where it touches real life. This is objective. This is where God asks you, do you really believe this stuff? And he says, honor the Lord with your possessions and with the first fruits of your entire harvest. Set aside that first portion and give it to him. Then he says, I'm gonna provide for you. In fact, I'm gonna give you more than you need. You're going to be completely filled. You're going to overflow. You're going to have what you need and God is going to bless you with even more. This is not prosperity. It's not like you're, you give to God and he's going to make you rich. But what it's saying is, trust him. Take the very first portion of your income and you hear that. And for some of you, the brake lights go on. Hang on a minute. And the reason why we hit the brakes is for most people, it's not greed. It's fear. It's fear. We're hesitant to set aside some, or to set aside that first portion and give it to the Lord no matter what. Not after, but as the first portion. Because deep down, a lot of Christ followers want to give first fruits. They want to honor God. They want to make an impact, but they worry. What if I give away too much? What if I don't have enough to live on? What if there's a downturn? What if, what if, what if? And we have all these uncertainty. And like baby Emerson, we can't decide if it's a terrifying moment or an incredible, joyful opportunity and experience. But see, what we're going to learn here is giving our first fruits to God, setting aside that portion and, and dedicating it first to God is a primary way to honor our Heavenly Father and to grow our faith. Now, my job as a pastor is to encourage and equip people to grow in their faith. And I realize right now that, that the fact that I am a pastor may cause some of you to question my motives about giving this first fruits to the Lord, to the ministry of the Lord's mission. And you may question my motives. And you, tons of you have had bad experiences. I get it. That's why we, uh, you know, we, at Valley Church, we, at, 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 for the last several years, we haven't even passed an offering basket or, or whatever. We, we, we let that take part a different way. There's not pressure here. But as a good and loving father, God wants to make certain that nothing will come between you and him. And my deepest desire is for all of us to to introduce you to a way of life built on a premise that God is the rewarder of those who seek him and his kingdom first. Jesus says, seek first the kingdom. Don't worry about all that stuff. You seek first the kingdom and my righteousness and all these things will be given to you as well. As a good and perfect Father, God wants us to learn to trust Him. And He gets very practical about it. So He asks you and me to honor Him with the first fruits of our income. Recognizing that everything that I have comes from God and that God wants me to keep in touch with the source of every good and perfect gift, it's from Him. The Father has provided everything to me and to you. So instead of spending every last time on myself, my things, my needs, my wants, my desires, he asked me first to honor him, remember him, give thanks to him by returning the first fruits to him. When my kids were younger, I, 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 little, just little kids, I, I would always at Christmas time give them money to buy me gifts, Christmas presents, right? Why'd you do that? Not because I needed it from them but because this builds a relationship with them when they have the opportunity to be provided with something and then they they choose it and they say I want to I want to show my daddy that I love and care about him i provided every everything they needed and I, and then i said hey return this to me and they did so with delight but sometimes we hesitate we're afraid you know um i can remember uh on many occasions, this is true for all of us who have kids, taking our kids to like a McDonald's or something and we buy them French fries. And maybe you have something else and you don't get the fries and you reach across the table to, to take one of their fries. And maybe the kid says to you, that's mine, right? Now that kid does not realize at that moment that you have enough income to go and buy enough uh French fries, to completely bury them in French fries. You could easily do that. But they've, in that moment, become attached to it. And they've forgotten the source of where those fries came from. So God says, don't be like that. We hesitate, we're afraid, I won't have enough. But he's calling us to look at it a different way. I own it all. You're a manager of what I've provided to you. Imagine, that you are managing somebody else's money. And what if they said to you, invest 10% of it for me and keep the remaining 90% for yourself? You, you would be blown away. You see, it's a step of faith to believe that God is directly involved in our everyday life through this area of our income. Honor the Lord with your possessions, with your wealth, with the first fruits of your entire life. Harvest. Give it over to him first. Israel and the church, this principle uh, is, is, uh, Paul talks about in 1 Corinthians, same thing. On the first day of every week, each one of you should set aside a sum of money in keeping with your income. As God has blessed you, lay that aside. And then he says, when I come, we don't have to take up, we don't have to have all sorts of pressure. There's no big deal. God's providing and he provides for you. So honor with him first. You know, in, in, in my experience, there are two types of givers. One person sees themselves as their own provider and they give leftovers to God. And the other sees God as a provider and they generously give him first fruits. God says in this passage, trust me with all your heart. Don't rely on your own understanding. Watch me work. Watch me open up the heavens and pour out upon my grace and goodness, my mercy and compassion. I will be faithful. I will not let you down. I will always be faithful to you. I remember in our first uh, church way back when, a little church of 11 people. And when I started there, uh, I, I received $700 a month. From that, I was to take my uh, in health insurance payments and so forth. So it's, that, that was a total package, $700 a month. I know it was a long time ago, but still, it wasn't very much. I was literally making a four-figure income. So shortly thereafter, they bumped it up to nine hundred dollars a month, and it's like, woohoo, we're on the gravy train now. But I'm going to tell you something. When I got seven hundred dollars a month, and I I I wrote out a check to our church for seventy dollars, it was a huge step of faith. It's like, are are we really going to make it? Is God really going to show up? And guys, I'm here to tell you, He's been faithful. Not one time has God not been faithful to us. And guess what, today, we have a house to live in. We got cars that usually start. (laughs) We've got, God's blessed us, and not just financially, but in so many other ways, beyond what I could describe to you, his faithfulness, his goodness, his mercy, his grace has just been poured out upon us in abundance. And by the way, his blessings are not always in a financial realm. Sometimes his blessings come in many other ways. The financial thing is, is in many cases, the least important. I have been a pastor for over 35 years. And in all my ministry, I have never had anyone come to me and say, you know, I really wish I had not trusted the Lord with my first fruits of my income. I, that was a big mistake. God's not shown up. He's not he is not um, he's not met our needs. <laughs> On the contrary, time after time after time I have heard testimony and stories of people who saying we honored God with our first fruits and God always provided and he came through for us. we sometimes didn't know how it was going to happen but he did and we have many stories we could share about that. God bless them each one of them spiritually, emotionally, relationally, and sometimes even financially. And so many of you have experienced that blessing. I look around Valley Church and I see people that are so incredibly generous. God bless Valley Church for your generosity. And I see the hand of God on your life. He, and he, he, he does honor those who honor him first. So you're ready to take the refrigerator verse, trust the Lord with your all your heart and don't rely on your own understanding and put it to work. Are you willing to say, I'm gonna give my first fruits to you? You may say, that won't work. And God says, that's relying on your own understanding. Trust me first. He's actually saying, you'll be better off giving the first fruits to me than if you keep it all for yourself. You'll actually be better off that way. That is counterintuitive. But this is where faith comes. By the way, I don't give to get rich because I'm already rich. God has blessed us beyond measure. He has been so faithful to us. And giving our first fruits to God makes an amazing impact on others and on ourselves. He says, your barns will be filled to overflowing, um, completely filled. Your vats will overflow with new wine. This is an agricultural context. He says, I'm gonna provide for you and you're gonna have even more than you need. You're gonna be able to have a vacation sometimes. We are so blessed. As, as, as God's people, that he provides not just, you know, food and shelter and clothing, he, he provides way more than that. I mean, truth is almost everyone in our entire church is in the upper 5% of the world's richest people and most of us are in the upper 1% of the world's richest people. I mean, that's hard to imagine, but if you make, I don't know the exact number, but I think it's like, if you make about $50,000, you're in the upper 1% of the world's richest people. It it's just blows your mind. So the principle here is, uh, number five, honor God, reject fear, and take the step of giving Him first fruits. Some of you are saying that sounds great. I'm going to tell you it is amazing. I'm going to tell you how God has worked. Let, let me show you just this little video uh, of thank you. Because of your generosity, we were able to to build an incredible a complex in Madagascar in partnership with Trailhead Ministries. And um, and bless the, this is just one of, I could name off a hundred of these things, but I want you to see this this a video of a thank you from our partners there in Madagascar, a place you'll never go. Check it out. Dear Valley Church, we are so thank you that you help us here in the Duca to build the school for all those children that are being reached by the gospel so I want to say thank you to you thank you very much now if you okay it's beautiful and that's amazing and it it built for them a a um a a community center where their church can meet um, it built for them a sports complex. It built for them a feeding center. I mean, just amazing things that can be done there. And that's just one small thing. I could go on and on about all the other things that I don't have time to do, but wow, you've blessed so many people and it fills our hearts. I I, I remember growing up I put in a quarter in the offering and and I remember at Christmas time I threw in $20 bills like as a teenager and I expected the band to come out marching you know when the saints go marching in and when the saints go you know it was a big deal I didn't even know anything about sacrifice or generosity but I I learned make your giving progress progress over time so um Don't just settle in and make that a ceiling of where you're always gonna be, but look to be stretched and look for opportunities to go from just an an engaged, uh, to have engaged generosity to a first fruits generosity and then to a a sacrificial generosity. I say, why don't we do more? And then finally to a boundless generosity, just say, I'm looking for opportunities to be generous. That's how we grow in generosity and God honors that and respond to opportunities as you're prompted. Bring on the joy, just to remember what we've said today. First principle is to live out. If you want to experience the perks, the benefits, the life upgrade, live out a biblical worldview, focus on developing godly character, rely fully on Jesus over limited human wisdom. Fourthly, take God seriously and resist evil. And number five, honor God, reject fear and give your first fruits. Um, Throw off your fears and experience his full joy. Trust in him entirely. I'm going to close with this. Check this out. 2,000 years ago, there was a rich, young ruler. He was wealthy, he was young, and he had a position of authority. And he came to Jesus and says, I want to experience eternal life. How do I do that? And he wanted to experience not just life everlasting like in sequence of time, but I want to experience the abundance of life. And Jesus says, well, have you kept the commandments? And this young man very pridefully said, well, yeah, yeah, I've done all that. I haven't killed anybody. You know, I've kept all the commandments from, commandments from my birth. He, he didn't understand that he had fallen in many areas. There was some arrogance there. He, he really didn't see it. And then he says, is there anything else? Because I think I've done all that stuff great. And Jesus says, there's one thing more. Sell your, all your possessions. Give, give it all away to the poor and come follow me and you'll have treasures in heaven. You'll, you'll have eternal life. You'll know what it means to really live. And at that moment, when that man heard that, He turned away from Jesus and he walked home. He says he turned away. He was sad because he had great wealth. Think about it for a minute. This guy had opportunity for a three-year internship with God in human flesh. I mean, what an opportunity to actually walk with God in the human flesh, Jesus Christ, and he turned it down because he said, I'm not going to trust you with that. God doesn't call any of us or very few of us to give everything away. But he says, don't rely on your own understanding. Follow me, trust me. When it conflicts with what you think, follow me, obey obey me. Forgive that person. Don't hold that grudge. Be sacrificial, be generous, whatever it is. He says, and you'll have life, a life upgrade. That's what I'm talking about. Father in heaven, thank you for this uh, incredible passage so packed with wisdom and challenging at times, I pray that you will speak to each one of your people in powerful ways and let them know how they are to respond. I trust you in all these things, Lord Jesus. And everybody agreed and said, amen. God bless you guys.